0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, President Biden goes into hiding as his Afghan withdrawal plan falls apart. I have quite a lot to say about this subject. And by the end, if I've done my job, I will probably have ticked off everyone on all sides of the issue, which is always fun. Also, the American Academy of Pediatrics gaslights the critics of masking children, while the Surgeon General declares that you do not have the right, don't have the right to share opinions that he deems misinformation. Plus, Tim Tebow made his NFL debut of the weekend, which is proof Of racism, according to many people in the sports media. And our daily cancellation, I'll respond to my critics who say that I am a white supremacist conspiracy theorist because of something that I said on my show on Friday. So nothing new there, I suppose. All of that and much more today on the Matt Walsh Show. Yeah, there are a few things when it comes to your health and well-being. There are a few things more essential and more basic than getting a good night's sleep. And I say this as someone who currently, right now, did not get a good night's sleep last night, uh, only because our four-year-old was having nightmares and you know waking us up, and it's been going on for a couple nights now. Uh, but I cannot blame my pillow for that. My pillow. All else, as long as no four-year-olds are interfering. Uh, My Pillow will ensure that you get the best night's sleep you could possibly imagine, and not just because of their pillow; all their other products as well, including the Giza Dream bed sheets. Uh, My Pillow has their world's the world's best uh, sheets called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. My Pillow sheets come with a sixty-day money-back guarantee and a ten-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else, guaranteed. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. MyPillow's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $49.99. You don't want to miss this, so go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code DAILYWIRE. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products. You can call 1-800-651-1148, use promo code DAILYWIRE, or go to MyPillow.com and make sure you use the promo code DAILYWIRE. If you've listened to this uh, show for any length of time, you know that I prefer to focus almost 100% of the time on things happening in this country and to this country, especially those things which may most immediately impact your family and your children. Um, Those kinds of issues serve as the nucleus of this show. And it's not because events across the world are unimportant in the grand scheme. It's just that we can only focus our attention on a limited number of things and solve a limited number of problems. And so I choose those things and problems which are closest to us. As it happens, Our own society is in the grip of several crises all at once. Cataclysms which are only accelerating the fall and decay of our once great civilization. I don't think we have the luxury to spend very much time trying to fix the world's problems, even even if it would be otherwise wise and noble to try, which it isn't in my view. Our attention is urgently needed in our own communities and households. We can't afford to take the eye off of that ball. We can't wander off into the wilderness searching for far-off dragons to slay because we have more than enough of them here, though they may take different forms from what you find elsewhere on earth. All of that is a long way of saying that the situation in Afghanistan is not the sort of thing I would normally talk about on this show. As you've heard, I'm sure Biden moved to finally withdraw our troops from Afghanistan, but apparently had no real plan for evacuating everybody safely. The Taliban moved in took over the country in about two days while the Afghan army and government fled into the night like real heroes. Now, Afghanistan is back in the spot it was in 20 years ago, only it's worse, really, because the Taliban claims possession of all of the munitions and artillery that we left behind. Um, So with all of that going on, I'm going to make an exception to my normal rule, rule, at least for today, and offer a few comments about all of this. I'm not an expert on Afghanistan, but then again, The experts on Afghanistan, much like the public health experts here in the U.S., have largely created the very problems that they're supposed to be the experts on solving. So it once again falls to rational people to use common sense to to sort through all of this. And that's what I'll try to do now. On that end, three primary points I think need to be made. First of all, there's no question that Biden's withdrawal has been handled so poorly that to use a word like poorly is to pay Biden an undue compliment. The president of the United States, who may or may not be conscious and cognizant right now, who knows, is hunkered down in Camp David and refusing to address the American people or explain his strategy. I mean, last night it was announced that even Biden's press secretary, Psaki, will be MIA for the next week. You know, the the people that tried to send her an email got a got a form response saying, I'll be back in about a week. Hope there's nothing urgent that you need. The Biden regime is literally in hiding as the U.S.-installed Afghan regime surrenders the country to the Taliban and Americans in the country are left stranded. So the only real question now is whether Biden knew that it would go this way and lied, or if he's really so clueless and mentally degraded at this point that he believed the nonsense he spewed at a press conference just a month ago. Let's listen to that again. This was back in, the, in, uh, in early July. Here's what he said about leaving Afghanistan and how he expected it would go. Let's watch. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Why? Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable.
1: Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not?
0: That is not true. They did not, they, didn't, they did not reach that conclusion.
1: So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse?
0: The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. Yeah, about that. Well, the Afghan government did collapse and the Afghan military didn't even so much as put up a fight. They came together on the road as they were getting their asses out of there. Um, I'm not sure if a single shot was actually fired in defense of Kabul it was always clear to all intelligent people that the withdrawal from Afghanistan would play out this way. Biden should have built a plan which accounts for that, but instead he denied the obvious facts on the ground and planned for a leisurely, peaceful exit. One where I guess the Afghan government and military waves goodbye to our troops as they leave and shouts, we'll take care of things here. Y'all have a safe trip home now. The Taliban look on from their caves decide that it would be it would be rude to move in and undo all of America's hard work over the past two decades. No, we're not going to do that. That would be, you know, that's not fair. That's what Biden imagined, or at least wanted us to imagine. I'm willing to believe that he himself actually did imagine that, given that his brain is operating at 40% capacity at best, and was never terribly powerful, even with all of its batteries fully charged. But the people actually running the administration, those who are really in charge of our government, and we don't know exactly who those people are by design, knew that it would be a bloodbath on the way out, and we're apparently okay with that. For this reason, much of the criticism that Biden is sustaining right now is completely justified and 100% warranted. There are even calls for him to resign, which are also warranted, though we should always keep in mind that you know, what's waiting in the wings will not be, by any stretch of the imagination, an improvement. But second point, with all that said, Many of the people on the right and on the left who are complaining about the exit from Afghanistan are upset, apparently, that we are exiting from Afghanistan at all. For these people, the issue is not just the manner of the exit, but the fact of the exit. They believe that even after 20 years, America still owes a debt to Afghanistan and must remain there indefinitely. And and from what I've noticed, by the way... um, there are a lot of people on this side of the debate who like up till a month ago were claiming to be non-interventionist. There are many Republicans right now and again we're, we're leaving it yes yes it was it was handled poorly. I got that. Moving on from that discussion, there are many so-called or or alleged non-interventionist conservatives who have completely dropped that now. Just like that. You know, Trump made it cool to be a non-interventionist conservative. And so a lot of conservatives, especially in the Republican Party and prominent ones in media, kind of pretended to be that. And now many of them are fully back on board with, no, no, let's stay there forever. I mean, let's literally stay there forever. Yes. And many of the people on this side of the debate like to point out that America still has bases in countries like Japan and Germany. I mean, why can't we maintain a presence in Afghanistan as well? Well, these people are, 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 are incredibly wrong for these reasons. Leaving aside for a moment the way that the withdrawal was handled again, it is inarguably true that there needed to be a withdrawal. Yes, we maintain bases in Japan and Germany. You could make a very compelling argument that we shouldn't have them there either, especially as those countries are more than capable of defending themselves. But there's also a significant difference here. Japan and Germany are countries, actual real nations. Afghanistan is not. Afghanistan is a medieval third world hell pit with no will to exist on its own accord. I mean, think about it. We armed and equipped the Afghan military for 20 years. Biden claims that it was 300,000 strong. That figure is probably false, like everything else Biden says, but let's use it for the sake of argument. I mean, it was certainly large at any rate. It was a large army, much larger than the Taliban forces. And yet the Afghan army, after 20 years of training, folded in two days to a gang of 7th century terrorists who they outnumbered three to one. The army and the government surrendered, gave up, abandoned ship immediately without even a symbolic attempt at fighting back. Not so much as firing a shot in most cases, they just left. What does that tell us? It tells us that Afghanistan is a country that we built but we built it like a deck of cards. It needs our constant presence, our sacrifice in blood and treasure simply to exist. The whole country is like the highway system in Afghanistan that we spent billions constructing. Did you know that you spent billions on on building highways in Afghanistan? You did. And then the Afghan government and the Afghan people, they let it fall immediately into disrepair. It's now crumbled and largely unusable because the people we built it for refused to maintain it. And that's the story of Afghanistan. It has always been the story. Forcing this country on people who don't want it, have no interest in it. Here's a point that few people will make, but I will, even if it sounds harsh. I want you to look at this footage from the uh, Kabul airport. Here it is here. Uh, People are are fleeing. You got fleeing Afghans trying to climb onto the evacuation plane as it speeds down the runway, which, by the way, is, is not a good plan of action. Apparently, some of them actually, you can see them, there, they jumped on. You can see them holding to the side of the plane while it was taking off and then fell to their deaths as the plane took off, which, of course, that's how that was going to work out. Now, it's a tragic scene, surely, but it's tragic in more than just the obvious way. Because what else do you notice about this crowd? What do you see? Or more specifically, what do you not see? Women? Children? These are almost all men. And you can look at any of the footage of these stampeding hordes of people trying to get out of Afghanistan. Look at any of the footage. And you're going to see predominantly, almost exclusively men mostly of fighting age from the looks of it. I mean, these aren't elderly men sprinting down the airport runway. So mostly young men scrambling to leave just as the army left. Can I ask the impolite question? Why aren't these men fighting for their country? We're not going to be guilted now into accepting thousands of them as refugees, not concerned that there could easily be Taliban hiding in their midst, but more to the point, men of afghanistan do not seem willing to fight to protect the families of afghanistan and yet our men should you know our young men should die on afghan Af- afghanistan's soil to do what afghan men will not do refuse to do it bears repeating over and over again the afghan army and the afghan men they were not defeated they just gave up right away That's it. This is what it comes down to. We cannot hold into existence a country which does not want to exist. We cannot task ourselves with the responsibility of sustaining nations which lack the willpower to sustain themselves. We especially can't do that while our own nation struggles in its own way to exist. And that brings me to the third point. Maybe you remember this tweet from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul just just two months ago. This is what they were tweeting. Says, the month of June is recognized as LGBTI Pride Month. The United States respects the dignity and equality of LGBTI people and celebrates their contributions to the society. We remain committed to supporting civil rights of minorities, including LGBTI persons. This is what our ruling class has become. This is the kind of empire they seek to build. This is what they want to export out into the world when they're not at home chasing down, you know, other terror threats like anti-maskers and old ladies who trespassed in the Capitol. And when they're not on TV preaching about racial diversity and cultural sensitivity. I mean, one seriously wonders whether our military left copies of White Fragility and, you know, I am jazz at the embassy for the Taliban when they took over. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the plan. I would not be surprised. The point is that even if you're a fan of nation building and colonization, and that's what we did in Afghanistan, if you support what we did in Afghanistan and you want to see more of it, you are by definition a colonizer. But even if you like the idea, in theory, the fact is that our government and our military, as it is currently run and constructed, is not capable of building and sustaining a global empire. A government waving rainbow flags and a military indoctrinated into LGBT and critical race theory propaganda cannot be an imperial force, even if it wants to be. Most of the people defending American imperialism abroad seem to want to pretend that we're still the country we were 100 years ago. We're not. And that brings us back to where we started, uh, back at home in the throes of our own crisis, our own struggle to simply exist. A struggle that calls for all hands on deck. Let the Afghans fight for Afghanistan. If they will not, it will fall. Already has, because they didn't. Just as if we don't fight for our own country, so will it. Now let's get to our five headlines. And now a quick word from Rock Auto. I don't know if I ever have mentioned this before, but it's really hot outside. Why do you wanna go outside and go to the auto parts store when you could just stay inside and go on your phone, go to rockauto.com, and uh, this is especially true if you need an auto part that is necessary to the functioning of your car, and that's gonna be all the more reason to order it on uh, rockauto.com. rockauto.com is so much easier and uh, just better and more efficient and cheaper than walking into an auto parts store. They always offer it the lowest prices possible. And they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, the great thing about the catalog is that it's unique. They've got all kinds of parts that you won't find elsewhere, but it's really easy to navigate and find all the different parts that you might need. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands the specifications and prices that you prefer. You can't beat rockauto.com. I dare you to try. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Uh, Before we get back to the arguably more important stuff, can I uh, I just get your opinion on something real quick? Um, Yet again, I am being attacked and persecuted for the crime of being a fashion innovator. So I walked out of uh, our bedroom on Friday night getting ready to go and tucker carlson show sorry to name drop but that's me that's the context and anyway this is what i was wearing you can see it there i've got the um uh i'm I'm looking fly as the kids would say dare i say fly af whatever that means i know what it means um i've got the tan shirt tan pants a little bit of the kim jong-un aesthetic going on maybe a little maybe like a, a park ranger chasing down yogi bear i don't know um, but my wife said I look like an Oompa Loompa, and she just starts laughing hysterically and takes a picture and posts it online to shame me. Apparently wearing tan and tan is the ultimate fashion crime. I don't know. Um, so you tell me who's in the right here. My wife, the cyber bully. And this is this is cyberbullying, and it's not a joke. Or, or me, the fashion pioneer and style icon. Just tell me your honest opinion. I, I'm confident in my position here. That's why I throw myself at the mercy of the court, because I know, I know the truth. That is who's, we had this whole discussion about matching. Like, what do you mean? Oh, it doesn't, it, it, you're supposed to match your clothes, right? Well, it matches. It's like literally the same color. How does that not count as matching? doesn't make any sense. All right. Um, there has perhaps not been, as we move on here, when we talked about the experts and how the experts in every area are, can be discarded. Um, can be, can be disregarded and discarded. But there's perhaps not been any public health organization which has beclowned itself more in the past few years than the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I know you might say, well, what about the, uh, the CDC? What about you know uh, the NIH or, the, or, or WHO? Or, you know, literally all of them. I mean, they've all done a terrible job and that's true, but so there's a lot of competition for this title. But the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they stand apart, I think, because they deal specifically with kids and they've done so much harm to kids, not just in regards to COVID, although that also, but also with endorsing trans affirming health care and all that kind of stuff over the last few years. So here's the latest um, from the American Academy of Pediatrics. They tweeted this out a few days ago talking about masking and it's a whole long thread. I'll read through some of this. This is, a, this is like a masterclass in gaslighting. If you're wondering what gaslighting looks like, this is it. They say school is starting and masks can be especially important for children younger than age 12 who are not eligible for the COVID vaccines. Here's some real talk about masks as kids are hashtag back together this fall. Research shows that schools where children and adults are consistently masked are effective in preventing the transmission of COVID-19. COVID remains a serious threat to children's health. Universal masking can help make in person learning safe this fall. We want our children back to school in person, but many students will not yet be eligible to get COVID 19 vaccines. Masks are an important layer of protection. Um, face masks do not reduce oxygen intake. Carbon dioxide molecules are very tiny, even smaller than respiratory droplets. They cannot be trapped by breathable materials like cloth or disposable masks. And then they say, Babies and young children study faces, so you may worry that having masked caregivers would harm children's language development. There are no studies to support this concern. Young children will use other clues like gestures and tone of voice. Okay, so like I said, gaslighting, dictionary definition here. That's what's going on. And and specifically two areas. First of all, they say um, that... Uh, that research shows that schools where children and adults are consistently masked are effective in preventing the transmission of COVID-19. You know what they're not telling you about? What about the schools where they didn't mask? Okay, so their their claim is that, oh, well, you know, we we can look at schools where they masked last year and there wasn't a lot of COVID spread. And so that proves that that, uh, the masks work. What about when you compare that to the schools that didn't wear them? Because we know that kids are very unlikely to contract or spread uh, uh, COVID-19, much less to have a severe reaction to it. So the fact that they're kids, that's already doing a large part of the work here. They're not going to tell you that, though. They're not going to give you that comparison. All they're going to show you is, here's a school that had masks on. Look at that. The the virus didn't spread. They're not going to show you the other school over here in a different state that didn't have masks and also didn't have much viral spread and uh, and that but that is nothing compared to the final claim which is that um, well you may be worried that you're depriving young children of the uh, ability to see the faces of their teachers and caregivers and that's gonna that's gonna hurt language development that's a that's a point that I have made many times I made it in my school board speech and have made it before and others have made it And they say, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. There are no studies to support that concern. Yeah, I believe that that is true. There are no studies to support that concern. Do you know why there are no studies? Because prior to right now, nobody would have even considered studying that. Prior to right now, nobody would have thought, well, let's let's do a study to see if um, children can learn when their teachers are wearing masks. Let's put masks on all the kids and see if they can still learn to read. That study hasn't been done. No one's done it because no one was crazy enough to try it until right now. It wasn't an issue that was anywhere on the radar for anyone. Even though there were, as I've said so many times now, and we'll continue saying, even though there were transmissible transmissible diseases out there, like the flu, which is a greater danger to kids than COVID, nobody ever considered masking. And that's why there are no studies. So anytime you hear, well, there are no studies to support this, all that tells you, if it's true, which I wouldn't believe anything these people say on the surface. I wouldn't take any of it at face value. But pretending that it is true, in this case, I believe there are no studies, but that is only because There was no cause to do a study like that. And also, you know what else? It's so obvious that, of course, it will affect language development that that's yet another reason why it was never studied before. Now we're going to get the real world study because we're using our kids. Our kids are the study objects now. They, They are the lab rats that we're studying. They're the guinea pigs. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens when you put kids in masks um, for some of these kids. This will now be their second year of being masked. You know, take kids in there at the young age when they're really starting to read at like five. Let's see what happens. Put put take take thousands of kids at the age of five. Put them in masks until they're seven or eight, and put their teachers in masks too, and see how well they learn to read, and compare that to kids uh, in the past who, who didn't have that hurdle to to get over, I guarantee you we're going to discover that it causes serious, severe um, problems in terms of language development. Guaranteed. Because the AAP, they even acknowledge that young children use faces. And they say, well, but they can use other cues. Well, you know, that's it's fine. They have other cues. When they have the face to go on, they also have those other cues. And so they have all of these things together. You know, learning to read is hard. It's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't come automatically to kids. It's a difficult thing to do. So we want to give them all of the tools in the toolbox. You're taking one of the most essential tools out of the equation and saying, yeah, they'll figure it out. They might. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be harmed in the process. Um, so we'll get that study. Yeah. And, the, and but we can, we, we can know for sure the American Academy of Pediatrics, they're never going to come back around and say, Hey, uh, we really got that one wrong. Turns out, turns out. Yeah. When you, when you, when you put everyone in masks for years and then expect kids to learn how to read and enunciate words when they can't see the teacher, uh, actually enunciating the words, yeah, it turns out that causes real problems. Well, we got that wrong. Sorry about that. They will never do that. Never. They will never admit they're wrong. If you contradict them or disagree with them, you're spreading misinformation. And then when they change their mind and start saying the opposite of what they were saying before, uh, you're still spreading misinformation. And you don't have the right to do that. As the Surgeon General, who was uh, on cable news over the weekend... Explained, he said he was on CNN and he said, You you simply do not have the right to propagate anything that he considers to be misinformation. Let's listen to that.
1: Journalists in the media have an incredibly important role and responsibility in preventing the spread of misinformation. And while we all have the right to make our own choices, we don't have the right to irresponsibly spread misinformation. And look, I believe in my conversations with uh, media outlets that. This doesn't have to be uh, a partisan issue. I've uh, had many conversations with folks across the political spectrum in terms of journalists who absolutely want to do the right thing in terms of getting accurate information out to the public. So this doesn't have to be partisan. But what we do need uh, journalists and media organizations to look deeply at are their current practices. We need them, first of all, to make sure uh, that they are putting forward credible sources uh, when they do their interviews and when they push out coverage. We need them to make sure that they are providing context also not just for example reporting on a side effect but making sure people understand that that side effect might be incredibly rare uh did
0: you notice uh, two, two quick points to make here i don't know if you noticed uh when he was talking about credible sources he says well, we, we, got, we, we have to make sure that The credible sources are being used. And then CNN flashes up on the screen some headlines, examples of of good good media outlets that use credible sources. And what's the one thing that all of those, quote unquote, credible sources have in common? They're government sources. The CDC and the White House. Here's an example of a credible source. The government. that's, That's what the government is saying. A credible source is us. Anything outside of us is not a credible source. And they're at the point now of saying uh, n- not just that you're being irresponsible and you're being a very bad person and all of these other things. If you uh, you know articulate positions that they disagree with, he he is now saying you do not have the right to do it. You don't have the right to spread misinformation. And that of course is incorrect. You absolutely do. Yeah, I have the right. I have the constitutional right to spread what you consider to be misinformation. And that's the really important part here. What you consider to be, if you're in the government, the, the, the Surgeon General. What he considers to be misinformation. I have the right to say that and to spread it far and wide. This is, uh, this is convincing to a lot of people, I think. This is how easily fooled a lot of people are. You know, the government could say, well, of course you have fr- free speech rights. You could, you could say whatever you want. But, but, but of course to say things that are incorrect, well, that's, that's irresponsible. You could get people killed. And, and how do you know what's correct and incorrect? Well, we'll tell you. So you, you have the right to say whatever you want. You have, you have free speech. We are a free country. God bless America. Uh, but... but obviously only if you're saying correct things. Don't worry about trying to figure out if what you're saying is correct or incorrect. We'll tell you. We'll give you the approved list of things that are that are correct that you can say on any given subject. And you can say those things. And you know what? You can say those things all you want. When it comes to COVID, here's a list of five things that you can say. And we're so generous that you, you could say those five things 100 times each a day if you want to. In fact, we encourage it. You have the right to say everything on that page, on that list of five things. But anything outside of that, that that doesn't even count as speech. That's just, that's really a terrorist attack, if anything. As always, it doesn't even disturb me all that much to hear this kind of nonsense from bureaucrats and government officials because I expect it from them. Of course people in government are going to try to pull this th- th- these sorts of stunts. Of course they are. I-, I-, I know that they're always going to be looking for ways to increase their power and authority and to shut down opposition. I realize that because I understand the mentality of the sorts of people who get into this line of work in the first place. Most of the people who are in government, in these positions of authority, whether elected or in the bureaucracy the reason that they're there is because of their psychotic sociopathic desire and need to control people that's why they're there it's not the case for all of them but most of them and it's it's a big inherent problem there's no real way around it that most of the people who desire to do these kinds of jobs it's for reasons that are less than magnanimous doesn't mean they're all they all go into this to become supervillains but it's just it's self-centered and self-serving They believe that they should be in control of other people. They they know how you should live your life, and they want to be in a position to um, guide you down that path against your will if necessary, for your own sake. That's what they believe. That's why they're in that position. So I know that. Um, And if you allow them, this is what they'll do. What disturbs me are all the normal people who fall for this. Who hear a government official say, yeah, you have the right to say everything unless we call it misinformation, in which case you can't say it, obviously, because that's a terrorist attack and that's, you're, you're hurting people. What disturbs me are all the people that hear that and think, well, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's go to some NFL news. Tim Tebow made his uh, in-game debut for the Jags during their preseason game, uh, played a few snaps. Not much happened. But then the leftists and sports media came rushing in with more of this. So here is a dead spin reporter, Chuck Modi says Tim Tebow is playing in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, Kenny Stills are blackballed from the NFL. Tell me again how Black Lives Matter, Roger Goodell, who's the commissioner of the, uh, of the NFL. Now, personally, I, by the way, I have no problem people attacking Roger Goodell. It's fine with me. Roger Goodell has done all he can. It's the same story, uh, you know, over and over again. He's done all he can to appease the woke mob, and they still hate his guts. So he deserves to be eaten alive by them as he is. But th- this is going to be the story. You know what? I I root for this is what this is what's hard for me, especially as a football fan and a Tebow fan, because I like Tim Tebow. He's an easy guy to root for. He's easy to root for because he's a he he works hard. He's a humble guy. He just wants to contribute to the team. And it's easy to root for people like that. So I want to see him succeed. I think it'd be great. I don't think it's likely, but if Tim Tebow could go out at the age of 33 playing a position he's never played before and have a decent year, you know, catch 40 balls or something and and score four or five touchdowns, that would be be an amazing story. And it would be a lot of fun. So I I hope it happens. And, And it also, it'll piss off the right people, which is also fun. But then we're going to have to hear stuff like this incessantly throughout the entire season. Every time Tim Tebow is seen on camera doing anything, you're going to get people in media doing this routine. Well, this is Tim Tebow. Why isn't, why isn't Colin Kaepernick out there? Do you know why Colin Kaepernick is not playing tight end for the, ja- for the Jacksonville Jaguars? For a veteran minimum salary, which is what Tim Tebow is doing, trying out in training camp? with no guarantee that he'll even make the team. Do you know why Colin Kaepernick isn't doing that? Because he doesn't want to do that. He has no interest in doing that. Tim Tebow, this goes back to his his humility and what makes him easy to root for. He's also patriotic and he loves his country. That's another thing that we like to see from our athletes and we rarely do these days. But um, he is trying out in training camp, knowing that he could get cut from the team, He's going to get paid the minimum salary, which is still a nice salary, but it's not the the, uh, tens of millions that other players are getting. And uh, he's playing a position. He's trying to fit in at any other position because he knows he's not going to make the team as a quarterback because he's not good enough, and he's not. Colin Kaepernick was never willing to do that. Colin Kaepernick, even at this point, wants to be a starting quarterback for an NFL franchise and get paid starting quarterback money. That's what he wants. He wants to waltz onto the field, be given the starting job, get paid a bunch of money. And if you're if you're the the coach of a team and he's on your squad and you don't give him that position, you know he's going to call he's going to accuse you of racism and start protesting on the sidelines and turn half of your locker room against you. All while he also is not a good quarterback. He wasn't good when he left five or six years ago. He's not going to be better now, older and having not played for half a decade. So just so you know, if you don't follow football and you see this kind of thing, and we're we're going to see a lot of it, that is why. That's why Kaepernick is not out there doing what Tebow is doing, because he doesn't want to do what Tebow is doing. And who can really blame him? He's making hundreds of millions just sitting on his butt complaining. He's, he's a bigger star now and is far wealthier than he ever was as, a, as an athlete. So why would he want to do this? He, he would be taking a significant pay cut if he were to go and do what Tim Tebow is doing right now. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, I want to root for Tebow, but then it's I'm going to be seriously annoyed by, by all the Kaepernick stuff. In the end, though, it's still on balance. I think Tebow still, we have to to root for him. uh, But I I, I don't necessarily like his chances of of making the team just because he is a 33-year-old man playing a position that he's never played before. But, all right, let's uh, move on now to reading the YouTube comments. Um, Mike says, As a registered nurse, I'm sick of the nurses are heroes BS. If, as a nurse, you need that level of validation, I question your ability to do the job competently. A lot of uh, comments like this and messages I've gotten from nurses who are saying the same thing, that they're tired of this also, of the constant over-the-top praise of nurses and they're all heroes. And I can see how people who are nurses would get tired of that because, number number one, it's annoying and infantilizing and patronizing. But also... If you're a nurse, then you work with other nurses, and you know better than anyone that it's just like any other job, and you work with plenty of people who are terrible at their job and don't deserve this kind of praise that they're automatically getting because we're giving it to everybody. Um, Hot Crap, great name, says, Matt's ads are the best by far. I know he hates doing them, which makes it hilarious. Sir, this claim is itself hot crap. I I love all of my advertisers. There is nothing I enjoy more than reading the ads. And I don't know why you would accuse me of that. I take offense to that personally. It's my greatest joy and passion in life is reading the ads. I look forward to it. It's what gets me up in the morning. Knowing that I can get in here and tell you about all of our great sponsors. And then you would accuse me of this. It's not right. It is not right. You're banned from the show. Needless to say. Lightweight Jive says uh, he's talking about young people with no ambition. He says they don't have the desire coupled with overbearing helicopter parents that try to live their life for them and would never let them take risks, uh, etc. Yeah, you know, the, the taking risks thing, I think, is a, is a big part of this. As we talk about um, this, this lack of ambition in, in a lot of young people, they don't have the desire to get out there and, you know, live their own lives and be independent. Um and yeah, big, that, that, that's that's something that parents should do, and specifically fathers. This, this, is a, this is a special role. It's not that mothers can't do it, but this is a thing that fathers are especially equipped to do, in my view, and that is to um, help their kids take safe and reasonable risks you know, of, of different types there are different kinds of risks. There are physical risks, you know, go climb the tree and yeah, you could fall out and I mean, you know, you you could even seriously hurt yourself but it's a a reasonable risk especially as the kid is younger. I'm here, you know, and if you do fall, I'll catch you and we're not going to let you, you know, I'll point you to the right tree to climb. Don't climb that one because the branches are too thin. That kind of thing. So there's there's the physical risks Um, and especially as kids get older, there's kind of the intellectual risks, the moral risks. To go out and defend your principles, to express your point of view, knowing they might get shouted down. People might laugh at you. People are going to disagree with you. And um, again, mothers can do that too. But I think that fathers are especially useful in this regard. Teaching their kids how to take risks, encouraging them to take risks. Um, And a lot of kids grow up without any fathers in the house at all. And uh, even many of the fathers who are physically present aren't really present in any other sense of the word. And they're not teaching their kids that. And then what you end up with is either, because it could go either way, or it could be a combination. But you end up either with kids who are terrified of taking any risks at all and want to stay in their homes and not leave staying on their on their phones and, and playing video games, doing low-risk activities, uh, conforming themselves entirely with their peer culture, doing and saying whatever everyone else is doing. So you have a lot of that. And you also have kids who are so desperate to take risks but have never been taught how to take risks, and so they go out and, 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 and take the wrong kinds of risks. Like the kind of risk that a you know, 17-year-old teenage boy might take when he's driving down the, the road at two o'clock in the morning at 95 miles an hour, hits a tree and dies. Like that kind of risk, right? The wrong kind of risk. That's what, that's what we end up with. We end up with a lot, of, uh, a lot of young people who are allergic to all sorts of risks. Then you have others that are, that are taking reckless, very unsafe, the wrong kinds of risks, self-destructive risks. And that's why you need parents, especially fathers, to kind of guide between... Guide a path between those two extremes. And now, for once again, my favorite part of the day, reading the ads. I'm so excited about these ads. Yes! Yes, we get to read more ads. All right. If you've been searching for a daily morning podcast without an agenda, look no further than The Morning Wire, which has been topping the Apple and Spotify charts since its recent release. It's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to keep the facts trending towards the number one spot. So subscribe and start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And leave a five-star review if you're as excited as I am. And finally, also, if you've been wondering what it's like to sit front row at Candace's new show, Candace, then you might just be in luck. If you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you'll get 25% off your new membership and be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two. You and a guest to the Daily Wire studios to see Candace live not only will you meet Candace, you'll get an inside look at her studio in front row seats to watch her take down leftist live and in action on her talk show. This is something that will make your life worth living. Your life is miserable unless you can do this. This will make it all worth it. So get a great deal on the new Daily Wire membership at dailywire.com slash subscribe with code VIP and 25% off so you can automatically be entered for a chance to win the VIP experience. So exciting. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. You know, if you listened to the show on Friday, you would have heard a brief segment about halfway in where we discussed a recent census report, which shows that the white population in this country has declined for the first time in American history. Whites have dipped below 60 percent of the overall population. Another first. And among young Americans, racial minorities are now the majority. Um, Now, I say we discussed the report, but really we discussed more so the reaction to the report, which was positively rapturous on the left. The most blatant example was Jennifer Rubin with The Washington Post who exclaimed that the diminishing number of whites is fabulous news. And elsewhere, the celebration was couched in more sanitized language, but was nonetheless apparent. So take this article from uh, a guy named Peniel Joseph with CNN, who scolded the white people who are worried about the census data, labeling them all white supremacists, to include Tucker Carlson, of course. And Joseph then wrote, And yet America's changing demographics tell a different, more inspiring story. Rather than a narrative of white decline, what if we saw in this data the increasing numbers of racially blended families and mixed-race children and understood and understood them as signs of a more racially diverse, economically just, and culturally rich future? Now it is, he says, inspiring for there to be fewer white people around. It is more just and more culturally rich, he says. Which is obviously to say that a whiter country would be culturally impoverished and less just. This is how the left has generally framed it. To be a less white country, by their telling, is to be a manifestly better country. That's why they celebrate the decline of the white population. It's why they actively seek to facilitate that decline in terms of percentages by inviting unchecked immigration across the southern border. Um, It's why they're very concerned about making sure that white people have less institutional power and are are really clear about that. That's that's what they want to do. They put policies like affirmative action into place to achieve that end. Now, I said on Friday that although this is all obviously true and they don't make any attempt to hide it, even so, you're not allowed to point out that any of this is happening. If you do, you'll be accused of engaging in the allegedly white supremacist replacement theory. I also predicted during that segment that Media Matters would post that same segment and accuse me of advancing white supremacist conspiracy theories. Well, like a prophet of old, I had correctly predicted the future once again. So later that day, after that segment aired, Media Matters published this, they say, on YouTube, Daily Wire host embraces white nationalist conspiracy theory. Now our friends at Media Matters are nothing, if not predictable, but it wasn't just them. A woman named Robin Panachia over at the Wonkette blog posted an article titled, Matt Walsh scared we are secretly trying to replace him and all other white people. Then she goes on, many years ago, when we were all so much more innocent, the only people who believed in the great replacement theory were neo-Nazis. And when you tell normal people about this, even normal people who were themselves kind of racist, they would be pretty surprised that it was a a thing, mostly because of how it sounds ridiculous and also is, in fact, ridiculous. But Matt Walsh doesn't think that only rabid white supremacists should be able to indulge themselves in absurd racist fantasies in which they are the truest victims. He wants tactful suit-wearing white supremacists to have that opportunity as well. Why limit oneself, really? Now, I'll take a quick step to the side here to say that... um, I'm not worried about this lady or Media Matters calling me a white supremacist. That term has no meaning. I'm sure Robin would call the barista at Starbucks a white supremacist if he misspelled her name on her cup, which, by the way, they probably do all the time, incidentally, because her parents injected an unnecessary Y into her name, a move that doomed her to a life of writing whiny, poorly constructed blog posts like this one. The point is that these people find white supremacy around every corner and in every crack and crevice of the earth. To them, I'm a white supremacist, because I exist and I'm white and I lapse sometimes into the nasty habit of expressing my own opinions rather than their opinions. So the label could not be more irrelevant to me. With that said, I do take exception to the claim that I am tactful and wear suits. Those latter accusations are entirely without basis, I assure you. In any case, reading a bit more here, um, after extensively quoting me, Robin writes, quote, whenever anyone says you can't talk about this, They rarely mean that no one can talk about it. They just mean that if they talk about it in the way they're talking about it, people will think they're super racist, which is a very fair conclusion to reach almost any time Matt Walsh's mouth is open and he's not just saying things about women. We're letting people into America to escape bad conditions in their home countries. It's not for the purpose of replacing white people. No white people are being murdered in the process of immigration happening. Well, that's kind of news to me. Um, As far as universities and positions of power go, no. These can't all be for white people. That's not white genocide, that's just sharing. White people are not entitled to have all of the positions of power. It's not replacement, it is making things more fair. If one does think that white people do have that intrinsic right, then they are in fact white supremacists. Oppressors have always seen those they sought to oppress as a threat, this is nothing new. The best way to preserve an unjust hierarchy is by convincing those at the top and in the middle that if those on the bottom get any power, they'll turn around and do some oppressing themselves, if only as an act of revenge. Now, so it's a review, in case you're lost at this point. It is a racist conspiracy theory to say that white people are being replaced. That's not happening at all. It's completely false. How dare you? At the same time, there is a racial hierarchy in this country, and white people are at the top of it, and are by their nature oppressive, and it's therefore important to, well, replace them with non-white people. Indeed, the people complaining about being replaced are racist for not wanting to be replaced and also for claiming that they are being replaced because they totally aren't being replaced, even though they are and it's good and they should like it, but it's not happening. Make sense? No? Well, of course not. Because the incoherence is entirely by design. Now, back in reality, Bill, there is, there is no racial hierarchy. That's not what this is about. The hierarchy exists in the imagination of women with unnecessary whys in their names. The point, the real point, Is simply that, at least partly as a a result of deliberate policy choices and the actions of our most powerful cultural institutions, the overall percentage of white people in the country and of white people admitted into universities and placed in positions of power and so on is being reduced. And non-white people are being placed into those vacated areas. I think you could really call that replacement, but if you don't like replacement, that's fine. Let's put put that to the side how about a different R word? How about reduction? Can I call it white reduction? Nobody can deny that there's a significant amount of white reduction taking place, both in the population and especially institutionally. Now, so we're talking about white reduction. Um, The question, is it good to celebrate this? And to answer that question, all we need to do is imagine how it would sound for someone to celebrate the reduction of any other race of people. What if I was to react to news about a reduction in the black population by describing it as fabulous? Now, you'll argue that it's different because black people are in the minority, but why should that make it different? The point is that minority or majority, we should not treat any race as a pestilence that needs to be cured. You know, to, to to treat any race as a problem to be solved, a plague to be contained, is unimaginably, unspeakably racist. And if you're really getting hung up on the minority aspect of this, then fine. Imagine that I were to celebrate the reduction of the majority race in any non-white foreign country. So let's take any non-white foreign country where non-white people hold all of the systemic power. And then imagine that I were to tell you that this majority race is being supplanted by a minority race and that this is great news. Now, you would surmise that I'm obviously racist against the majority race. You would ask me questions like, well, why are you celebrating that exactly? I mean, what's wrong with that race being the majority? Why why have you decided that it shouldn't be? Why is it a problem? What, What are you so excited about? What don't you like about these people? And if I responded that the majority race is naturally oppressive and inherently bigoted, And that's why there needs to be less of them. You would only become firmer in your conclusion that I am nothing but a ranting, raving, drooling bigot. And you would be right in that case. And that's the point. Okay. White people are not entitled to positions of power. That's that's true. And nobody is saying they are. That's not the point. Here's what I'm saying about white people. Here is my radical Statement and Media Matters. Here's the part that I want you to clip because you're basically my PR team at this point. I tell you to clip something and post it, and you do, which is great. So here, the, clip this one. Um, here's what I'm saying about white people. This is this is my extreme extreme claim. White people have the same moral worth as anyone else, and are therefore entitled to the same respect. So any language that would sound horrifically racist when applied to other races is just as horrifically racist when applied to whites. That's what I'm saying. I am the one advocating for equality here. Treating treating all races the same. With moral worth. And we don't talk about them like they're diseases to be reduced and contained. Robin and Media Matters, they're the ones who want to treat white people as a special case, if only for negative reasons. And that is why they are today, certainly. Certainly. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodasky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
1: Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Afghanistan falls to the Taliban in the worst foreign policy debacle for the United States since America's withdrawal from Vietnam. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.